Hey there, and welcome to the Coaching Floors Podcast. This is Dr. Jen, and each week we'll be doing interviews to inform our listeners about techniques to help children with complex communication needs discover their voice with AAC. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Today we are wrapping up our interview with Mary Mockton from Talk To Me Technologies as she gives us some ideas on supporting people with complex communication needs and their AAC devices. Do you have any tips for using a speech generating device in tricky places? You know, should it go to the bathroom with the student, at the dinner table, at the park, the pool? Okay, so I just referenced that I am a functional speech therapist in my practicing world. And so similarly, I would say the same thing about a speech generating device. Ideally, yes, it goes everywhere with them because you wouldn't want someone to be stuck in the bathroom Mm -hmm. in an emergent situation, not being able to have a voice to ask for help. Simultaneously, you don't want to increase the chance of like a device getting dropped in a pond or a pool or wherever. And so I think if people use like their gut judgment and instinct, you know, so maybe in the bathroom, certain kiddos can probably handle bringing it into the bathroom with them and have a designated place to put it, mm-hmm. knowing that if something they need help, other kiddos probably can't be left with their device near water and toilets and things. And I think that's okay. I um, would recommend then having a low tech option in a bathroom or um, a, a switch that just gives an alarm sound or something like mm-hmm. that. Okay. So that yeah. someone, you know, yeah. um, But again, I think the people in that person's world will kind of know. Mm -hmm. And again, the device can be right outside the bathroom door, but I feel like most people would know if a certain four-year-old could handle having it in there or not, Mm -hmm. you know? And unfortunately, I don't know, depending on what their needs are, I don't know if adults can go in the bathroom with them or not. So like related Mm -hmm. to that example, if an adult is able to help them in the restroom, then of course the adult should bring it in and have it there if something's needed. And so you just kind of have to know what the situation is. Our, de- you know, devices can be like water resistant, you know, just like phones and things, but mm-hmm. submerging them in water <laughs> is never a good idea. No. So, you know, if you're driving to the pool, certainly talk about the pool on the way, mm-hmm. have it in mom's bag in a waterproof, I don't know, Ziploc or just a plastic bag or something in a beach bag away from the water in case they need it. But does it need to be right at the edge every time? Probably not. You know, just kind of that gut instinct judgment of what works. But I do tell people to bring it to the dinner table and lunch room. A, because yes. it offers, you know, eating, especially in our culture, is super social. Mm-hmm. And it's really motivating for a lot of kiddos. And so mm-hmm. if crackers get on the screen or a little bit of milk, I mean, It'll you be just okay. have to clean it. Yeah, yeah, just clean it, you know, like you would. Because all sorts of things get on <laughs> devices, you know. I hope that answers it. Yeah, you gave a lot of practical tips and things to consider, like mm-hmm. having a specific location for it mm-hmm. and, and privacy issues if someone is able to be in there or not, you know, and right. things to consider. So yeah, those are all really good tips. What tools or resources are there to help prevent device abandonment? Oh, boy. Tools or resources, I would say maintaining some sort of consistent therapy might be nice, especially during that first few months of having a device, just making Mm -hmm. sure 
everyone's working with an SLP or, or someone that is more familiar with it that can continue to kind of train them and make sure that they feel comfortable with it. Sometimes we have people that kind of start services, get their device, and then stop services. And so if I can advocate for them, I try to in whenever I get face-to-face time with families to say, continue speech if you can for a few months, mm-hmm. you know, or again, we offer training. Our company offers training. If someone noticed, man, this kiddo hasn't had their device at school for however many weeks, you know, they could call us. We could like say, hey, is everything going okay? Or of course, teachers or SLPs or whoever on a school team can reach out to the family and Mm -hmm. just say, is there something going on that's inhibiting, you know, it being at school? Would it be easier if we kept it at school? Again, that's not ideal Mm -hmm. because we want it to go everywhere and the child to have their voice everywhere. But if they're at school X amount of hours more, than how they're using it at home, then having it at school, you know, is okay. I think the biggest hurdle is people just being afraid to like break it or really get in it and yeah. learn about it. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, people are walking around staring at their screens, fortunately or unfortunately, all the time. <laughs> so it's not that like socially surprising, yeah. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, people are sitting in coffee shops with their computers and iPads and working remotely. And so I think having a device around isn't that strange anymore Mm -hmm. or surprising or socially unexpected. And so I think if people know that like you can't ruin anything, it's durable, it has a warranty. If you erase something accidentally, we save the files. Now, if they made a bunch of changes since the last time we saved it, that'll be a bummer, but at least we have something. Mm-hmm. So I would say device abandonment comes mostly just because people are kind of overwhelmed or intimidated by it. Yes. And if the people around them aren't comfortable using it. Because mm-hmm. modeling, just like language modeling and talking for people, you have to do that with the device too. Yeah. So people in their world ideally would be modeling with the device as much as possible too. And that takes time. It does. It takes time. Mm-hmm. So give yourselves that time. Yes. Don't give up. Right. Keep bringing it everywhere you go. Yeah. And Matt, we don't expect mastery of a device. I mean, I, goodness, I'm a speech therapist and I can, I know a good amount about all of our options and things, mm-hmm. but there's so much to know about it. And so if they just start to take pieces that are important for them mm-hmm. or that they can apply or the most motivating thing in their lives like start using it in those instances and then hopefully yeah start in one small area yeah. and then start to expand yeah the other place that i see device abandonment and you'd kind of touched on it earlier is when someone does start mm-hmm. discovering their vocal voice yes you know and and are intelligible pretty quickly we kind of stop bringing that mm-hmm. device with us but i really see a need to keep bringing the device around yes. what are your thoughts i would agree I mean, I would say whoever's in that person's world, take a step back and think, what kind of language are they producing with the device? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's awesome that they might be able to say, I love you now verbally, great. Mm -hmm. But are all their sentences one and two words? Whereas when they were using the device, they could get to really long sentences or program something in so it didn't take as much effort. And I would kind of think about comparing those two and odds are if they were a device user that's starting to get some intelligible speech back, that that speech is still going to be at a different level than how they were using the device. And so I would say people can step back and take a look and compare those two. Odds are the device. And like I said earlier, that incidental just modeling and practice and motor planning 
with a device is a much different motor plan than talking. And talking is a really finite thing that mm-hmm. people just take for granted, you know? Yeah. And so accessing with a device is probably still going to be efficient, possibly more efficient mm-hmm. than one to two word utterances that they've learned, you yeah. know, along the way. And so I do agree that it should kind of still be on hand as much as possible mm-hmm. until they're functioning at a way that is expected for their age, honestly, or skill set or Yay. ability. I totally agree. <laughs> it's good when you say the things. Yeah. That I'm saying too, so. Awesome. Good. Okay. So if you could mm-hmm. leave our listeners with one thought or strategy to implement that would help a child discover their voice with AAC, what would it be? Families know, and I know I've referenced this probably a few times in this interview, but what is like the biggest motivator for their kiddo? And so I would say try to find that biggest motivator and that's what you use the device for. And then modeling, 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 like having people model around them is probably like a specific strategy that people should use. What do you mean by motivator? Yeah, I would say motivator or uh, usually (laughs) a child's biggest motivator is the thing they get most frustrated about when they can't have it Uh, or if they don't have like a word for it. I don't uh know. From my observations and behavior is communication. And so odds are if they could get the words for this thing that they love and should it be the chocolate bar eight times a day? No, but like find those consistent pieces throughout their day and either what we call, you know, purposeful sabotage, Mm -hmm. but make sure they learn if I do this thing with the device, and it's my voice asking for this thing, and I get this thing. Because while we don't want the only language function that a child is using their device for is to be requesting, you mm-hmm. know, you want them to use it for commenting, asking questions, requesting, greeting people, Negating. saying, hey, yeah, and protesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that was that popped in my mind when you, um, with that question, actually, because in one of our sets, we have a something's wrong button, and I think that's really important. And mm-hmm. I always point it out to families. I was like, they have to be able to protest and say, I don't like this. I don't want mm-hmm. it. I'm in pain or something, yeah. you know. But just kind of finding in the beginning, odds are they may not do that. Or they may, if that's their biggest motivator, like, actually, no, I don't want to do this thing. And that's fine. But also just kind of learning, depending on what a child's language skill is, you know, if they don't know that this communicative reciprocity thing, Mm. that's where you have to start. Like if they don't understand that if they do this thing, something happens Mm. and that sort of cause effect linguistic relationship, then they're not going to be able to do it, whether it's talking or signing or with the device. And so that's what I mean by like the motivator, like making sure they know if I do this thing, then I get this other thing. That's awesome. Whether it's jumping on the trampoline or going for a walk or sitting in the bathtub for an hour. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is because for a while to get them sort of on board, I feel like that's... Requesting is a good place to start. start. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then you talked about modeling Mm -hmm. as a strategy and then I interrupted. I don't know what else you were going to say. No. (laughs) Well, I would just say between kind of getting those real consistent, like I said, reciprocity things happening and then just seeing siblings are usually real mm. motivators to yeah. model with kiddos. 
we actually put a great video up on our Facebook page during May is Better Speech and Hearing Month of a little girl whose brother was like, what do you want to have? You know, and he's just pushing the buttons. And modeling doesn't mean that you have to build an exact sentence. Mm-hmm. That And it doesn't mean that the child has to say a big, long sentence. But just starting to push buttons while you all are talking as much as you can, yeah. depending on how familiar you've become with the device, and having it just sort of be a part of whatever daily routine can be nice. So I keep the expectations at a manageable level, you know, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you very for joining sure, me today. I, loved I really it. appreciate yeah. talking with you. It's great. If you could subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when new episodes are released and check out Coaching Flores on Facebook and coachingflores.com for downloads. I hope you heard something that inspires you. I'll see you next week.